You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Everyone is waiting. Everyone is waiting for something. You're waiting for something. I'm waiting for something. Every human being who is sentient and aware is waiting for something. You might be waiting for the right person to come along, the right man or the right woman. You might be waiting for the pain to be all over. You might be waiting for Christmas to be all over. You might be waiting for your children to go back to school. You might be waiting for a pay raise. You might just be waiting for a job. You might be waiting for a home of your own. You might be waiting and wondering when will the pain end or when will the joy end. Maybe you're waiting for a job. Maybe you're waiting for your exams. Maybe you're waiting for results. Maybe you're waiting for Michael to stop asking me what I'm waiting for. That's okay because today you're waiting for something. You may not be able to put your finger on it right now, but I guarantee you, you are waiting for something. Every human being, it's part of our condition. When we sing the song at Christmas, O come, O come, Emmanuel, the song is a song of mourning and sadness, waiting for the coming of the Savior. Maybe you're just waiting for the promise of God to come to pass in your life. A dearly held, closely nurtured desire of your heart to come to pass. Maybe that's what you're waiting for. You know, I want to look this morning at a passage of scripture about a man who was waiting for a promise of God to come to pass in his life. And any of you who've read the Gospels will know the story of this man, especially if you've read Luke's Gospel because his story is recorded in Luke's Gospel. He's an older man. Could you, could you put, yeah, thank you. Can you fire up the next slide for me, please, Josiah? My controller doesn't appear to be working. Waiting to see, this man's waiting to see a promise come to pass. His name was Simeon, and he's, his story is recorded in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 22 to 35. And the story takes place at the dedication of Jesus when Jesus was a baby. So he would have been circumcised on the eighth day as all Jewish males were and most still are today. And at, at the 40th day, after the period of purification for his birth was all over, he would have been brought to the temple and he would have been dedicated. And when they went up to the temple that day, this guy was there, a guy called Simeon, was waiting there. And when he was waiting there, here's a man who was waiting for a promise of God to come to pass in his life. I've waited for the promises of God to come to pass in my life. I've waited and hoped and pray and still wait and still hope and still pray for some of those promises, though some of those promises have come to pass. But this was a man who was waiting for something really, really important to happen. We're going to look at this passage of scripture. We're going to look at God's word. And it's important that we take in God's word and what it has to say to us and for us and about us. So let's pay attention as we read the next few verses 
I'm going to try and pause as I go along to try and put in some of the background details. But let's talk about Simeon and what he was waiting for for a second. Here's what it records. At that time, that is when Jesus' parents took Jesus up to the temple for the dedication, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And more importantly, and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Here's a man with a very strange promise. He's got a promise from God that he's not going to die until he sees the Messiah. Now the curious thing about this promise, much like many of the promises that God has given you and given me in our lives, is there wasn't a whole lot that he could do to make this promise come to pass. All he could do was put himself in the way of it. To be in the right place when the promise showed up. To be in the place where God could possibly meet him and possibly use him. And we read some interesting things immediately from the get-go. Simeon is being described in four ways. He's been described as a righteous man. He did what was right. When you see righteous, it's not some kind of religious holy word. It just means that he did the right thing. He treated people right in a situation where there was a compromise or potential for him to get a benefit if he did the wrong thing. He didn't do it. He did the right thing. He was right and he was devout. Devote means that he was committed to prayer. He's committed to spiritual activity. He was committed to being in prayer and communicating with God and listening to what God's word would say to him. And he was eagerly waiting. He was waiting. He was waiting, just like you're waiting, just like I'm waiting. He was in the waiting room, waiting for something to happen. And above all, the Holy Spirit was upon him. As a result of being right and being devout and being a waiter, the Holy Spirit was upon him. And so he couldn't make this promise happen. He could only be in the way of it. And I love it says that the Lord had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. I mean, gloriously, a lot of the details in these stories are left out. So I kind of go, and how did that happen? I mean, did a prophet walk up to him and say, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not die till thou hast seen the Messiah. You know, I doubt that there was anybody, prophets with American accents back in those days. There might have been one or two, I don't know. Did he read a passage in the Bible? Did he read Isaiah and go, and as he read Isaiah, the Holy Spirit brought to life to him that unto us a child is given, unto, unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Maybe then the Holy Spirit said to him, you're not going to die until you see this. Maybe he just sensed it one day. Maybe it was just dropped into his heart as he was going about his business saying, Lord, I would love to see your Messiah. And the Holy Spirit just whispered to him and said, you will not die before you see the Messiah. I don't know how it happened and the details are left beautifully out of it. But what a strange promise, brothers and sisters. Because... Simeon, we're not told that he's an old man. It's only inferred that he is an older man and that he's waiting for the weirdest of promises. He's waiting to die. God has given him a promise that he's going to die at the right time. 
He's also given you the same promise, by the way. As David said, Lord, my times are in your hands. He's given you the same promise. And what he's going to do in your life is going to be done before he wraps up your life. Would anybody say amen? Let's continue with the story. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. And so when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms. Now I want you to just, just, just stop for a second. This guy's been carrying a promise for years and years. And then one day, mysteriously, weirdly, we don't know, the Holy Spirit prompts him and says, Today is the day, Simeon. Today is the day it's going to happen for you. And he prompts him and says, get yourself to the temple and get yourself there. No, because you're going to see the Messiah. Now, I don't know what Simeon's idea of seeing the Messiah was, but if Simeon was a Jew, like all the other Jews, he was probably expecting a general or somebody to come with angels and chariots or for the foot of the Messiah to come and touch the temple mount and change the history of the world in an instant. You don't know what he was expecting. How will I know which one is the Messiah, Lord? Oh, what am I looking for? Is he going to have a lovely kind of glowy, shiny face? What's, the, what's, the, what's this Messiah going to look like? We don't know what he's going to look like. Is he going to walk on water towards me? I don't know. But I just know that I need to be there because that's where I'm going to see the Messiah. And it says, when he saw him, he went over, he spotted it. You know what? Here he is. He's all his life, he's waiting for this thing to happen. All his life, he's waiting for this promise to be fulfilled to him. And all his life, he's kind of thinking, what will it be like? What will it be like? What will the Messiah look like? And then when he sees the Messiah, he knows in an instant. You know, when the joy of your heart is fulfilled, you just know it, don't you? There's something about it that happens. You kind of go, yeah, I know this is it. Or, you know, when, if, if you're fortunate enough to have married somebody or, or met somebody who turned out to be the love of your life, there's just that moment that comes and you go, yeah, I know that this is the one. I know she's the one. I remember thinking that about Elma. I, 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 just, I know she's the one. We had a bit of a round of the boat. We had to do it. We had to go the long way, but we got there. But there was just something new, and, and, and I love it. So Mary and Joseph are coming in. Now, with respect, things have been getting kind of weirder and weirder around Mary and Joseph in the last few weeks and months, haven't they? So first of all, Mary's praying one day, and an angel appears to her and says, you're going to have God's child. And she says, oh, you, sorry, pardon, what? She says, and she says, no, let, let, it, let it happen to me. And then they go down, and they go down to Bethlehem, and the baby's born. And I'm skipping a few other weird things that happen, but they get down there, and the baby's born. And when the baby's born, next thing, a bunch of shepherds show up, and they say, we're after seeing angels. And they were singing, and they're going, going what, what, sorry, what, what, what's going on? And, and it says that the things that the shepherd said, Mary treasured them and stored them up in her heart. And then they walk into the temple on this 40th day, and this weirdo called Simeon walks over and says, I want to hold the baby there for a minute. Now, I had a young baby once. I had a baby boy once, right? A small little baby boy. And I'll tell you, if you came within one foot of him, I would have chopped your arm off at the elbow. And over comes us, let me hold the baby. You see, it was a different culture, of course, wasn't it? Nowadays, it's all kind of, oh, you might give him a disease. I don't know what you're carrying. You could be carrying a pathogen. A pathogen, yeah. When did we all get the word pathogen? You could be carrying anything. But no, Simeon walks over and he takes the baby. Can you imagine what he felt like? The longing of his life, the hope of his heart is fulfilled. And he took, takes, picks up the child. Mary and Joseph are going, what? 
And he picks up the child and he says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all the people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. And Joseph and Mary are standing there going, well, I just thought he was a nice baby. Do you know what I'm saying? He, he, he exults over this. He's finally saved. And I just love it when he, he begins to statement and says, Lord, there's a, there's a Latin term, nunc dimittis, which mean, means no dismiss. Sovereign Lord, you can now let your servant die in peace. I can now die in peace. Can you die in peace? Are you here this morning and you can say, Lord, I, I'm ready now to die in peace. Or do you have unfinished business with God? Do you have unfinished business with others so that you can't die in peace? You see, when you look at this guy, Simeon, Simeon wasn't waiting for his star to rise. Simeon wasn't waiting to be discovered. He wasn't waiting until the pension fund was perfectly full. Now I'm ready to go. He wasn't waiting. All of Simeon's longing had really nothing to do with himself. What really was going to make him happy was actually outside of himself. Simeon's life had what they call meaning. And your life and my life will only have meaning if what we long for, if what happens in our lives happens outside of us. If it's got to be, if it's only about us, if our lives are only about us and only about what we want and only about what would make us personally happy, our lives will have no meaning. But Simeon's life had meaning and he was ready to die now that he'd seen God's promise fulfilled. He said, Lord, you can let me go now. And what's more, it sounds to me as though he was welcoming death. He was welcoming it. Lord, it's great. You can let me go. Oh, I don't have to feel the aches and pains in my back and in my body anymore. I don't have to mourn loved ones anymore. You can dismiss me. No, I'm ready to die because I've seen your promise fulfilled. And it wasn't just your promise to me, my personal promise that I would have a lovely two-bedroom cottage by the sea. That wasn't the promise. The promise was I've seen your promise salvation. I've seen your promise that's going to be a light to people who are non-Jews. And it's going to be the glory of your nation, the people who are Jews. It says this, that Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about them. And then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God and many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Thank you for the blessing, Simeon. Could we have any of those kind of, and all your sheep will, 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 will graze happily and all your cows will calf? Any one of those prayers? No. This child is going to cause many to rise, but he's going to cause many to fall. And he is a sign that will be spoken against. Brothers and sisters, he's still a sign that is spoken against. He's still a sign that is spoken against. 
And he will cause many to rise and many to fall. As Isaiah says, he is a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. But for those who believe in him, as Malachi says in Malachi chapter 4, to you that fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and you will skip about like calves led from the stall. To some people, the coming of this Jesus was going to be life transforming. For some, it was going to be life ending. And in the darkest of hours, God's promise to his people and to all nations and to the whole world is fulfilled. And his promise to this man, Simeon, is fulfilled. Now you say, that's a lovely story, Michael, but what's it about? So here's where I'm going with it. We're all waiting for something. And sometimes when we're waiting for something, disappointment comes our way. Sometimes we're waiting for a relationship to get better. With respect, maybe we're waiting for my wife to love me again. Maybe I'm waiting for, maybe you're waiting for your husband to love you again or your, your brother or sister who's been estranged from you to return. And we're waiting for something and we, we begin to hope for things to happen in our lives. And we hope for the breakthrough that will make the change in our lives. And then it doesn't happen and something happens in us. And the proverb has proven true that a hope deferred makes the heart sick. Oh, it makes you so sick. Have you ever had a hope deferred? Have you ever had something you really wanted to happen, just not happen? And you know the way it just drains your energy? No, you've never had that experience, have you? Oh, you've had that experience happen. You know, where I hoped that something would come or something would break, that I'd get a breakthrough or I hoped that this would be the end of this problem or this situation. And that's not what happened. And my hope was deferred to another day, to another moment in time. And I bet you it was the same for Simeon, that his hope was deferred. He was getting older. He was running out of time. The promise can't last forever. It had a limit on it. He was going to die. And if the promise wasn't fulfilled, then it wasn't really a promise. And I bet you his heart was made sick plenty of times in this process. But you know that same proverb that says a hope deferred makes the heart grow sick says this, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. When God moves in our lives and in our situations and in our circumstances, lads, brothers and sisters, it is a tree of life. And I think about this guy, Simeon, standing there with this baby in his hands, knowing that God's promise has been fulfilled. And the tree of life has come to life for him. But the tree of life for him means that he can now die. It seems strange to me. I remember when we wanted to have kids. And I'm not going to bore you with the story. But, um, but let's just say it didn't work out the way we had it planned. And our hope, Elma and I, our hope was deferred plenty of times. We had plenty of deferrals, plenty of hopes and waits that had to wait. But when it was fulfilled, it was like, <gasps> I remember holding my son Robin. And he looked at me, oh, he looking down on top of me now. But I remember holding my son Robin for the first time. And the nurse took him and wrapped him up in a blanket. And of course, he's just out of the womb. And I was the first to see him. I, I always say, tell him, I saw his face before you did, like, you know. He kind of came up going... <laughs> The way anybody who's seen a baby birth knows what that one is about. And it, it comes on, and, and then they, they kind of take him away and they weigh him and they go, 
suction thing to suck out the airwaves, and you're kind of going, what are you doing to my baby? Like five minutes earlier, it was like, hey, I'm macho man. And I was like, <laughs> so, um, but I remember holding him for the first time. And I remember he just went really quiet, as he does every now and again. He went really quiet, and I'm calling him by his name, and he just went really silent. No, it turns out I was wrong. Apparently babies can't see very much. But I'm thinking, he's staring at his father's face. But he was looking up at me. Because all he was doing was following the sound like a bat does. Like, going, mm -hmm. who's making that noise? Are you handsome? How are you? I don't, no, I'm not going to quote what I actually said. But I, I kind of said, you know, and you're holding the baby. And you know something? I knew that what was coming was an awful lot of, and an awful lot of, and an awful lot of that was coming over the next few years. But you know what? It was a tree. Because it was a fulfillment of a promise. And it brought life. Even though it brought hassle. And it brought difficulty. And it brought trouble. And it brought trial. And let me say to you. If you're waiting for the right man to come along. Your David to come and bring you your, your knight in shining armor. I have news for you. He's going to have bad breath and body odor too. And when he, when he comes, he's going to let you down and go out with the lads. He's going to do all that, sisters. I'm sorry. That's exactly what he's going to do. Or if you're waiting for the perfect girl to come along, do you know it's going to turn out? I don't like doing housework. Oh, really? I thought you were going to be the woman of my dreams. Michael was shot that morning on the stage. But it will still be a tree of life to you. It'll still be a tree of life to you. Because people let you down, don't they? People let you down. But you know, I know it sounds trite, but God doesn't let you down. He's not going to let you down. He's not. He always, always keeps his promises. See, what I want to do this morning is I want us to remember that God works even when time is running out. He always moves even if it's just a nick of time. This is what Paul says in Galatians chapter 4. He says, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. And the reason I'm putting in the subject to the law a bit is because that was where Jesus was, fulfilling the ceremonial law of the Old Testament when Simeon encountered him. That's when Simeon encountered him, when, when Jesus was, being, was fulfilling the ceremonial law. But God will often act in just the nick of time because it feels to us like he should have acted much earlier and much sooner. But the one thing I'd say to you, if I could be so bold on this, the first Sunday of January 2019. I don't know what you're waiting for. I hope and I pray that what you're praying for is God's will for you. I hope and pray that you will be blessed beyond blessing with whatever it is that God brings into your life or that what you're waiting for is really what God wants to give you. But I know this, for Simeon, what he was waiting for was not about himself. Now, brothers and sisters, if you want to live a life that is going to be worthwhile, your life will have to be about more than just yourself. It'll have to be more than just about your personal happiness. Now, of course we say that. We're Christians. We know that. Christians for thousands of years have been foregoing their personal happiness for a greater cause. 
But you know something? It's more than that. What we understand now from modern learning and from modern science and knowledge is that human beings really begin to wither and diminish if all they live for is their own personal happiness. I don't know, have, has anybody here ever seen the film About a Boy or read the book About a Boy by Nick Hornby? Yeah? It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a good movie. It's a, are you the only one, Peter? Is the only one who's seen it? Wow, okay. A couple of people have seen it. So the movie, right, or the book really, is the story about a guy who is really, really wealthy. His father wrote a Christmas song, and because his father wrote a Christmas song, the Christmas song was played every Christmas. It was a successful Christmas song, and so therefore the son was very wealthy, inherited all this wealth, and he lived only for himself. He had the best of fast cars. He had the best of coffee, the best of drink. He had everything. He lived a completely free life, free of all responsibility. And as the movie goes on, it shows the, meaningless of his li- the meaninglessness of his life. And his life becomes more and more meaningless as he just goes from one casual sex session to the next casual sex session. And he goes on from the next fast car to the next fast car to the next cup of coffee to the next beer. And his life just gets more and more meaningless. At the same time, he doesn't realize that his life is meaningless. He's having a great time because all of his personal needs are being fulfilled. But it takes an intervention from the outside and purpose to come into his life from the outside before suddenly meaning sneaks up on his life. And our lives, no matter how difficult they can be, no matter how painful they can be, will only have meaning if there's something going on outside of our lives. Viktor Frankl is a very famous writer and is a Holocaust survivor. He survived in Auschwitz. And Viktor Frankl wrote that the, his experience in Auschwitz taught him this, because he was at the time, he was a psychologist, but he said, I observed this, he said, that people who had something outside of themselves to live for, something beyond the camp gates, they were the people who lived the longest and put up most with the difficulties of living in Auschwitz. The people who have something to live for are the people who actually live longest. If you want to live a long and happy life, live for someone else. Move and do something for someone else. Live your life in the light of somebody else's needs. And Viktor Frankl, anyway, discovered this because he was in Auschwitz and he said the only thing that kept him going while he was in Auschwitz, and he was in Auschwitz for years, he remarkably survived there for years. He was in Auschwitz for years and when he was in there, he survived it simply because he said he kept before his mind two important things. One, he had to get his work done. There was, a, there was work that he had begun as a psychologist. I think he lived in Vienna and the, he had to get that work done. The other thing he kept before his mind was the image of his wife. He had to live for his wife. He didn't know if his wife was alive, if his wife was dead. He didn't have any idea. The curious thing about this guy, Viktor Frankl, is that his wife and him both went to Auschwitz on the same day. He kept the image and the thought of his wife and how much his wife loved him and how much he loved his wife before his mind it got him through years and years and it turned out that she had died only a couple of weeks after getting to Auschwitz and he never knew it and yet even just the thought of her kept him alive because it gave his life meaning brothers and sisters brothers and sisters Christians should be the people who live the most meaningful lives of all here's what he wrote he said those who have a why can bear with almost any how. I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I know why I have to get through it. And that was the crux. And that was the crux, I think, for Simeon. Sorry, Frankel also said this. He said, life is never made unbearable by circumstances, but only by a lack of meaning and purpose. Isn't that interesting? 
Life is not, he said, made unbearable by circumstances. What? You should have my life. You should live where I live. You should put up with the one that I'm putting up with. Sorry, of course, I'm not saying that. In reality, I'm speaking on your behalf. Anyway, um, life is never made unbearable by circumstances, but by the lack of meaning and purpose. We will go through almost anything if we feel that there's a purpose for it. And what does Paul tell us in Romans? Oh, yeah, let me think. God causes all things to work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. In other words, there's reason. God has a meaning. He's given our lives meaning and therefore we can live. And we can sometimes wish that all, we could just wish for comfort. If I could just choose between happiness and, and comfort, and if, I just, if I was just made comfortable in this circumstance, it would be fine. Do you know something? I have to say this, and please don't be offended if I do say it. Something that, 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 that always strikes me as being one of the saddest things of all is that when somebody is dying, um, perhaps they're dying of cancer, maybe it'll be me one day, I don't know. Maybe, I, I don't know. But they keep on saying, we're going to make that person as comfortable as possible. They're dying. You can't make them comfortable. It's not possible to be reconciled with that which God had never intended us to experience. It's to take away the pain. Just make the person comfort. It is, if you will, it is the counsel of the euthanized. This idea that if I could only just be comfortable in my own circumstances, that would make me happy. It won't make you happy. You have to have meaning outside of yourself. And that's what kept Simeon with his aching back and his aching body and his weary bones and his longed for promise and his sick heart. That's what kept it going. He had meaning outside of himself. It wasn't just all about Simeon. It was about God. And for us, it's got to be about Jesus. It's got to be about Jesus. C.S. Lewis, who, as you know, I'm fairly fond of quoting, if you've ever come here regularly, you'll know. He said this about the difference between comfort and truth. And I find it, personally, I find it searing. You might find it boring. But I'm going to put it up there now. You get the proper okay? He said this. If you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. But if you look for comfort, you will get neither comfort or truth. Only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin with, and in the end, despair. If it's just about comfort, make me comfortable in my circumstances. No, please, I'm not just talking about material comfort, okay? It can be just about, just give me comfort. But if, it's just, if that's all we're living for, if that's all we're living for, to have enough or to have more than enough or to have more than more than more than more than we could ever spend in several lifetimes, it's not going to give us any happiness in the end but the truth will give you happiness it may hurt at the time you know they say the truth hurts yep it does and you know when Jesus said the truth will set you free the truth that sets you free is the truth you don't want to hear amen let's close in prayer say I don't enjoy this any more than you do <laughs> Simeon lived beyond himself he lived for something outside of himself. How's about in 2019, we live for something outside of ourselves? How's about in 2019, we say, Lord, I want to see, your, I want to see the Savior. Let me see you, Lord. Let me see you. Let that promise be fulfilled in my life. 
How's about praying that for this year? Because you know, for Simeon, this is the truth as is recorded in the book of Psalms. Delight yourself in the Lord and what will he do? He will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you the desires of your heart. That should read Psalm 37.4, not Proverbs by the way. He will give you the desires of your heart. And you know what Simeon did? He delighted himself in the Lord. Simeon waited for God's promise to come to pass. And when God brings it, it's perfect and it's beautiful and it's good. But how's about committing ourselves? Committing ourselves, first of all, to seeing Jesus. And second of all, to living beyond our own lives and looking to God for meaning in our lives. Who would pray that with me this morning? Will you raise your hand if you pray that with me? I'm going to ask you to stand. Maybe the band will come up. We're going to sing out in the song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. Because sometimes we just need the eyes of our hearts opened to see what it is that will truly satisfy our hearts. And only Jesus truly satisfies the longing of your heart and the longing of my heart. We are all, if you will, like Simeon. We are all in the same place. We're all only needing to see Jesus as the central point of our life to give our lives meaning and purpose and life itself. Let's sing the song, Open the Eyes of Our Hearts, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you I want to see you Open the eyes of my heart, Lord Open the eyes of my heart I want to see I want to see you, to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory, pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy. Let's give over to the Lord what it is that we're waiting for. If you recognize that you're waiting for something, I know I'm waiting for something in my life. Several things, in fact. But I want to give over what it is that I'm waiting for. I want to say, Lord, in your way and in your time, bring these things to pass in my life. But let me, in the meantime, be taken up with Jesus. Who wants to hand over something to the Lord that they're waiting for? I want to give over that waiting. Can I invite you to raise the other hand with it? And we'll pray. Lord, we confess to you this morning that we are human. And that to be human is to be waiting. Waiting for something to come to pass, Lord. Lord, we hand over our waiting to you this morning. We hand over to you, Lord Jesus, the things that are the longings of our hearts, the desires of our hearts. We hand them over to you, Lord, and we ask you, Lord, that we would be taken up with you. 
And Lord, we would leave those matters in your hands to surrender them as it were, Lord. Lord, some of these things that we're waiting for are close, very close to our hearts. We're waiting for breakthroughs for years, some decades, even a lifetime, Lord. We hand over those things that we are waiting for to you. And we ask you, Lord, instead that we would be taken up with the sight of Jesus Christ. Would anybody say amen? Lord, we pray that this year would be a year in which we would live beyond ourselves. A year, Lord, in which we would find meaning and purpose which is outside of us. Lord, I pray this would be a year when we are not at the center of our own story all the time, Lord. Lord, I pray that this will be a year when Jesus is at the center of our story. Lord, I pray this is a year, Lord, where you would be high and lifted up in our lives, every one of our lives, Lord. We commit our 2019 into your hands, Lord. We commit our waiting into your hands. We commit the precious promises that you have given us into your hands. Bring them to pass in your way and in your time, we pray. In Jesus' name and God's people said, Lord, I pray finally that as we go into the week that's to come, Lord, that we would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that we would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and sense a leading in our hearts towards the meaning and the purpose and the plan that you are working out in every one of our lives, Lord. Give us meaning. Give us purpose beyond ourselves. This week, this month, and this year we pray in Jesus' name and God's people said a final. Amen. God bless you and keep you, brothers and sisters. We're serving tea and coffee upstairs. Don't forget, we don't have night church here on Tuesday night. We have our business meeting for members only on Thursday. It begins at 7. The guys are going to lead us out with open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Thank you, guys. Open the eyes of my heart.